Amen. Psalm 103 and verse 19. The Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. His kingdom ruleth over all. Today I want to talk to you about the God of all. The God of all. Father, I thank you for the mighty presence of your spirit that has been made manifest among us. We don't take you for granted, God. I don't take this sweetness and this peace for granted, God. But I know you're here with purpose. I pray for this vessel to stay aligned to your purpose for the next several minutes. God, will you just help me to minister what you've placed in my heart and in my mind for this service, God. I pray for this group of people that every heart and mind and spirit would be opened to what you want to do here, God. And that we would come with a spirit of no resistance. God, I don't want to resist you. I don't want to resist your word. I want everything you have for me, Jesus. Bless this word and bless this people and let your anointing destroy every yoke in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I know this is different, but Pastor, I feel, would, would you just pray again over what's about to happen here? said in Jesus name amen 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 you may be seated but I beg you please not to mentally or spiritually check out of this atmosphere God is still here and he is still working he is the God of all everybody say all all now when I was growing up all was a detergent that we used in the laundry so I just want to be real clear what all we're talking about all the word all is encompassing the entirety or the whole amount of something encompassing the entirety or the whole amount of something his kingdom rules over all all Isaiah 66 1 tells us that heaven is God's throne and the earth is his footstool. It's just a little stool he puts his feet on. 
And that's an analogy or a metaphor to help us understand the grandeur of God. But in reality, he is infinite, and everything that he created exists within God. We're not a footstool. We're this tiny little speck of creation that exists within God. He's in me, and I'm in him. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, he's in you, and you're in him. Because he's infinite, and he's everywhere, and we use this little prefix, omni, which is just a fancy word to say, all. He is omnipresent. He is all-present. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He is the God of all. He is the God of all. He is almighty. He is undefeatable. He never gets tired. He never lays down. He never takes a rest. He doesn't need it. He never wonders about tomorrow. He never worries. He's the God of all. He's already got it all figured out. The Bible gives us several names related to the name Jehovah. Sister Ruth, if you would be so kind to put this graphic up. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord, our provider. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that heals us. He is Jehovah Shammah. He is present wherever we are. He is because he is in all and through all and in you all. He is the God of all. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace. He is our banner or our flag. He's Jehovah Nisi. So when we go into battle, we're covered by the flag that represents his nature. He is Jehovah Ra, which is the shepherd of our souls. He is our shepherd. He is Jehovah Sid Canoe. He is our righteousness. Sister Tina already said it. We better stay covered in the Sid Canoe, in the righteousness of God. He is all of these things to us. And for me, this sermon started when I was reading in Psalm 103. I started just seeing the word all just jump off the page at me. He is all. And so one, uh, Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He's the God of all benefits. In 2 Corinthians 1.3, it says he's the God of all comfort. In 1 Peter 5.10, it says he's the God of all grace. In Romans 15.33, it says he's the God of peace. In 2 Corinthians 13.11, it says he's the God of love. In Psalm 59, it says he's the God of mercy. In Romans 15.13, it says he is the God of hope. He is the God of all that I need, all that I will ever need, and all that I needed in my past. He is is the God of all. And when you show up to church, when I show up to church, all of who he is is here. God's not fragmented, so he only shows up with mercy on some Sundays, and he only shows up with grace on some Sundays, and he only shows up with healing on some Sundays. No, he is not fragmented. He is not partitioned. He is all of God, all the time, in every place. He is the God of all. 
is the God of all. And Psalm 103 verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And now I'm not talking about his all. talking about my all. Why? Because there's this thing called free will. And while God rules over all, he expects me to use my all according to my free will. And so I'm going to speak to my soul and say, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all. Everything I have control over, everything that is within my power, bless the Lord all of me. With everything that's in me, I'm going to bless the Lord. See, the Lord designed us for an all and all connection. His all and my all. That's what the relationship is supposed to be. You know, God didn't come to be the God of your sum. He came to be the God of our all. He wants it all. He wants it all. Let all that is within me bless, praise, honor, lift, exalt his holy name. He wants it all. It feels good when we gather here in the altar like Pastor was talking about and we come in faith and we lift our all. Many times when we come through these back doors, we're burdened and we're struggling. We've had a difficult week or a difficult day. We're in relationship with these humans that keep giving us problems. We keep giving other people problems. I know y'all don't, but humans, we do this. And we come in burdened and weighted down. And as we begin to give our all, things change. Burdens lift. Your thoughts are different. Your heart is different. He wants to be the God of all. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. You know what that soulish part of us really is? where those emotions and those thoughts sit in us. The soulish part of us. It's what God came to save. It's that inner being, that inner self. Bless the Lord. All of this emotional seat in my life, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to use everything that I have. And I know that it I, this is not in my notes, so I'm not going to look at any, but I, I can't see you if I have my glasses off. So if I th- you think I'm making eye contact with you, I'm not. All I see are little blobs. So some of us have been taught at different times that emotionalism is not okay in church. And I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I'm telling you, emotions are the door that God will use to reach your spirit. 
He uses our mind and he teaches us and things can move from our mind to our hearts, but it's through your emotions. It is godly sorrow that works repentance. Our emotions are the door. And so I I cannot be afraid to bring my emotional self to God. I, I shouldn't be afraid to express my love for God through the avenue of my emotions. It is not overly emotional to lift my hands and cry out to God. So I hope that helps somebody here who might have been taught through tradition that emotionalism has no place at church. Emotion is why, how God moves in us. He uses it. It's a door. And while I'm there, let me just stay there. It's a door for every spiritual activity. You feel that emotional anxiety or the worry or the stress or the the emotional pull of another spirit? There's also spiritual activity using the door of your emotions. No idea where that came from. All. He wants it all. And in Psalm 103 verse 3, I see another all. Two alls. He's the God who forgives all thine iniquities and who heals all thy diseases. (laughs) He didn't say some. Thank God he did not say some. He said all. He forgives all your iniquities and he heals all your diseases. All. And so I read this and I stopped and I read it again. The psalmist calls that salah. And so I salad again. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities and who healeth all thy diseases, all of my iniquities and all of my diseases and I started to feel the tug of the Holy Ghost to look specifically into this verse and to try to gain more understanding and context and I was I was remarking that it didn't say sins pastor it said iniquities iniquities and sometimes we read these words and don't really have a full understanding of what the scripture is trying to say to us. See, a, a sin is a human behavior that is disobedient to God's nature and his word. It's any human behavior that's disobedient to God's nature and to God's word. That's easy enough for us to think about. It's, you know, it's, it's the words that I speak that I know hurt other people or, 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 or dismiss faith or anything that, that, compromises my walk with God. It's the behaviors that don't show love toward God or love toward others. It's, it's the thoughts that I entertain. Now, not every evil thought is a sin. Because when a thought hits you, you get to decide what to do with it. 
and a thought might hit you and you immediately feel guilt for having that thought. Having the thought is not the sin. Holding the thought, entertaining the thought, that can be sinful. If that, sin, if that thought is against the nature and word of God. So a thought in itself is not sin. What we do, we grab it. That's not of God. Cast that down. If it's strong enough and I see that it's coming against me enough, I'll actually say, I rebuke that thought in Jesus' name. That's not of God. That's not what I want to do. And I'll even speak truth back to it. That is not the will of God. That is not what the word of God said. The word of God says, fill in the blank. I'm not the, the lowest on the totem pole, so to speak. The Bible says that I'm the head and not the tail. The Bible declares favor on my life. The Bible declares healing on my life. And so when thoughts come that are contrary to the word of God and the promises that I can stand on in his word, I can take that thought, cast it to the ground, rebuke it in Jesus' name, plead the blood over my mind, put my helmet of salvation on. However you want to think about it, I have control through the power of the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost to get rid of that thought. Now, if I hold on to it, sinful thoughts produce sinful words, sinful attitudes, and sinful behaviors. It's very rare that something sinful that we let into our minds doesn't also manifest in other ways. And so, sin is this behavioral component. Iniquities are a little bit different. Iniquities, it's kind of like a sin becoming a well-worn path in the grass. I just keep walking it. I just keep thinking those thoughts. I just keep having those uh, uh, behaviors in my life. And I don't change or confront it. I keep walking that path until suddenly nothing can grow on that path. There's no life there. There's no grass there because I've just been walking that sinful path over and over. And as sinners, before we came to the Lord, we did this all the time. Now, I, I was a very creative kid. And I liked to make up stories. Now, I got the Holy Ghost when I was six. But I, I, I enjoyed fibbing a little no such thing as fibbing. It's all lies. I enjoyed lying to see if I could get someone to believe my story. I was a kid. And I thank God that he got a hold of my life and I didn't continue to walk that well-worn path. I knew it was wrong. And that's just a little example because you're all thinking of your own well-worn paths. We all can have them. I've heard some preachers talk about this being a breach. That because it's sin that I've given myself to over and over again, or sin that has uh, uh, taken advantage of my weakness over and over again, it's a breach. It's a chink in the armor, so to speak. It's a place where I have to focus on providing more covering of the blood to this area. I have to pray more about this area. It's where I'm weak. And everybody in this room has a different chink in the armor. 
We, we have different areas of weakness. And it's something that we cover with the armor of God. We cover it in prayer. We cover it with submission to God. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we cover it with prayer. We cover it in submission. We cover it in fasting. These are proactive things that we do. But the psalmist said, not just that he will forgive your sins, but he looks at you and he sees the weaknesses. And he sees the propensities and the inclinations of our hearts. He sees those well-worn paths that would be so easy for us to go back to because that's where we have been weakened. And he forgives our weakness. In another psalm, the psalmist says, he remembers that we're just a bunch of dust. He remembers that we're a creation and not the perfect creator. He's the forgiver of all of our weaknesses and our propensity. In other words, he forgives sins at the action and also at the root. We hold so many things against ourselves that God's not holding against us. He looks instead for opportunities to strengthen us in our weakness. When I am weak, then I'm strong. Why? Because the Spirit of God moves into my weakness and fills that chink in my armor when I'm submitted and seeking his kingdom. He forgives all of our iniquities. And then verse 3 continues, and he says, he heals all our diseases. Now, Pastor, I've got to be honest and say that I've had some physical diseases that the Lord has chosen not to heal at this point. Instead, I've, I've walked through the struggle and the difficulty of healing via medicine or healing via doctors, or maybe I still have some of that pain in my body, but I, I, I've looked at this verse and I've, I've just made the general surface level assumption that this means physical disease. And I'm glad the Lord took me to study this verse because this is a continuation of the same thought. In, in terms of the parallel structure of Hebrew poetry, this is saying, look, he forgives all your iniquities, same thought, and he heals all your spiritual diseases. Spiritual diseases? We don't have diagnostics for that. But pastor actually mentioned this on Wednesday, and it was good confirmation for me, and I heard you say it again when you were praying. We are subject at times to affliction spiritual attack that intensifies and causes emotional and mental distress, affliction. As you know, the psalmist actually says that we can be afflicted because of our transgression, or our iniquities, excuse me, afflicted because of our iniquities. These are related things, spiritual diseases and iniquities. Those paths that we walk over and over can open us up to literally being hurt in the spirit. Wounded in the deep, dark part of who we are that nobody sees. Affliction. And the enemy, while the enemy can't read your mind, 
Let me say that again. The enemy cannot read your mind. The imps of hell have gotten very good at watching human behavior. They're, just, they're watching human behavior. They see what, what you've fallen with in the past, what has dragged you down in the past, what has discouraged you from walking with God in the past, what has laden you down with guilt. And they're just throwing spaghetti at the wall. I bet if I throw this at her, she fell in the past. I'm sure she'll fall again. They're afflicting us because of our weaknesses, because of our iniquities. That's in Psalm 107. In contrast, God says he wants to offer healing from spiritual diseases, from afflictions, through the forgiveness of our iniquities and our sins. He wants to forgive us and take the burden off of us for those well-worn paths that cause problems in our lives. James 5.13 says, Is any of you afflicted? Let him pray. He gives us the solution to the problem. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer wheel turning, you know that the fire is burning. Let us have a little talk with Jesus. It makes it right. Is any of you afflicted? Let him pray. Let him pray. And so God offers healing to us from these afflictions. In 1 Peter 3.21, Peter said, it's the offer of a, an answer of a clean conscience toward God, speaking specifically of baptism in Jesus' name. Why? Because those iniquities and those sins are washed away. They're washed away. He wants you to be free from your iniquities and your sins and the afflictions that accompany those things. Now, I'm going to change the order just a little bit. How many of you were alive in the 90s? I think most of us in the room. Okay. I was alive in the 90s. I was a teenager in the 90s. And uh, those... Those, those kids who are out there trying to recreate the 90s because now it's retro or vintage are making me feel awesome. The late 1900s. Yes, Drake. Thank you for that. Okay. So when I was prepping for this sermon, I was taken back to my teenage years because uh, my, you know, gospel music, Christian music has always been part of our home. My parents are godly people and they raised me um, with all kinds of music in our house. And so Saturdays we'd be cleaning from top to bottom. I'd be under the organ dusting all the pedals because my brother had allergies. And so I'd be listening to music. And, you know, when I was a kid, it was vinyl records and Merle Ewing and the Happy Goodmans and Lanny Wolf Trio. And some of you know the music I'm talking about. That's what I grew up with. And so when uh, I was a teenager, my parents stumbled on this uh, 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 set of musicians that would get together and, and 
and they're trying to simulate this now. I think Gather House is similar to this. Like, they get a whole bunch of musicians together, and everybody comes together and sing. Well, the Gaithers piloted this, folks. And in the 90s, our entertainment center was overflowing with VHS tapes and all kinds of music. And sometimes it was Southern Gospel, and sometimes, which, which is largely what I grew up on. Sometimes it was Sandy Patty and Larnell Harris. And those of you who were alive in the 90s probably uh, remember some of these artists. Uh, quartets like the Cathedrals who still move me to tears with some of their songs. And so when I... I, I was studying for this, the Lord reminded me of a, a song that I had not thought of for years, and it is a, a, a folk singer. He, it's a man on his guitar, and he's a musical storyteller. And so I am well aware that this, is, this style is not everyone's cup of tea in this room. It's not even one that I listen to regularly, but I'll, I'll tell you the Lord has spoken to me through this song. And so if you can set aside your style preferences for just a minute, I, I want us to watch this video. And those of you who are trying to emulate the 90s, you can see what it really looked like back then. Um, but it's, it's worth it from my perspective just to, just to hear what this singer has to say. When I was a boy, I stole this little car from a five and dime. Tucked it under my pillow. Hated myself. Couldn't tell anyone. My mother came in, oh, after about a day of suffering. She had seen it sort of welling up on me, you know, how moms are. And she, so I couldn't get it out. I couldn't come clean. And so she established this, this little thing in our family called chat. When you say chat, then you can tell the truth. And there'll be no boom to fall, just the arms of God. But you've got to tell it all, the whole thing nothing. And that's what this song is about. There once was a boy who stole him a toy from a bin at the five and dime. Wasn't too long before he knew it was wrong and lamented deep down his dark crime. He suffered in silence, ashamed of himself, afraid of the wrath of God. He was convinced he was heading for hell, or life behind bars on this saw. When his mom will come in to his room full of fears And I said it's time for a chat And he made his confession in sorrow and tears As she held him so close on her lap And swore she heard angels clap You know there's nothing so bad you can't confide in me love no heartache or lasting nothing so sad that you've tried to be free of that I won't forgive and forget because I love you I do I love you it's true 
Yes, I love you. I do. Before a baby was born, a wife of five years fell apart. Through sobs that just choked her, a dam finally broke. She told her husband the ache of her heart. Before I met you, when I was in school, well, I fell mighty hard for this guy. He was trouble, I know. Friends called me a fool, but I would not let go of the lie. When we finally broke up, I was three months along, afraid and ashamed and confused. I borrowed some money. I know it was wrong, but I could not see clear what to do. God knows. I'm so sorry. Do you? Oh, darling, come here, come here. There's nothing <laughs> so bad you can't confide in me, love. No heartache or lasting regret. Nothing so sad that you've tried to be free of this lie I won't forgive and forget because I love you I do oh I love you it's true I love you I do you bet Most of our life, we bleed from a knife that cuts from the inside out. Push down the lid and keep those scars hid. Act like we're having to die. Now and again, a memory slips in of a moment that filled us with shame when we could have. Should have, in retrospect, would have, but didn't, and that's really quite plain. Somewhere on the journey, we need to get quiet and turn off the comfort of noise. Confess what we've done, not try to deny it. To the maker of all girls and boys. And hear him say, as his angels rejoice, and he says it to everybody, everybody, no exceptions. There is nothing so bad you can't confide in me, love. No heartache or lasting regret. Nothing so sad that you've tried to be free of this lie. I won't forgive and forget because I love you. I do. 
God is the God of all, and he is the ruler of all of creation, and he calls the entirety of existence under his dominion. And yet there are parts of his creation that haven't yet been surrendered. And all of us could have them. If you remember in Mark chapter 3, Jesus goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he sees a man that has a weakness and it's a visible weakness. It's a withered hand. It's a hand he can't use. And Jesus says, stand forth. Come on, come on up here. And he tells him, hold out your hand. Stretch forth your hand. And the man has a choice to make. He didn't say, stretch forth your withered hand. He said, pick one. You're either going to show me what is good and what is working and what is healthy and what is happy and what is valuable to you. Or you're going to stretch out the thing that pains you, weakens you. That's our choice today. I told Shayla earlier, I'm, I'm coming for the deep and the dark today. Because there are corners of hearts in this room where you've never let the light of God, the love of God shine. See, that man, when he stretched forth what was broken, the Lord added his spirit to it, and it was healed in the stretching. I wonder what would have happened if he'd only offered what was good and working. And how healing could have come to him if he had not been willing to show the ugly and the broken and the gnarly and the weak to the Lord. Some of us are in that position today. While we believe he is the God of all, and while we want him to be the God of all provision and mercy and grace to us, we're not yet willing to make him the God of all of our iniquities and all of our spiritual diseases. And so my prayer for you today has been, God, make us willing to open up the ugly and open up the dark parts of the heart and the the sins and the iniquities that we have not shared with you yet because we're just not sure what your response will be. We're still a little scared of you, God. open that deep dark part knowing there's nothing 
so bad that we can't confide in you. And through that confidence, as your spirit is added to our weakness, there is strength. And as your spirit is added to our affliction, there is healing. Oh, God. Would you just lift your hands all over this place? God's moving already. If you, if you want to come to the front and you want to pray up here, this, this altar is open, but you can get this healing wherever you find yourself. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would come down into this house with healing, with forgiveness of our iniquities, Jesus. I pray that those listening on Facebook would experience a manifestation of your presence with healing and restoration. Healing of all of our spiritual diseases that exist because of our iniquities. God, I pray that you would forgive our weaknesses. That you would forgive our sin at the very root, Lord Jesus. We confess. I confess. I am a sinner, God. I have sinned. I have done things that are against your nature and things that are against your word. And I pray that you'd forgive me, Jesus. I pray that you'd restore right standing for me, Jesus. And God, I pray that you'd forgive my weakness at its very root, Lord God. And let healing flow to the afflicted today. That those voices that speak to the emotions, that tell people they're not worthy, that tell people that they're not healed and they're not healthy, that tell people they're not able to be healed, that tell people that they're not good enough for God. I speak against every voice that would speak affliction to the people of God in the name of Jesus Christ. I bind you and I cast you out of this place. I speak freedom and liberty and wholeness and healing into this house, Lord Jesus, that there would be a work of restoration because you want to be the God of all. You are the God of all power. You are the God of all mercy. Now be the God of all of my weakness and the God of all of my diseases in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Would you find a place to pray that today in Jesus' name?